And welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. My name is Cody Fields. I am the president of the, we- the well, I guess, Noseminster family of products, including Westminster Effects, Nose Pedal, and Native Pedal Company. And joining me... I'm Bradley Cox, lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And this is John Ross, grumpy Lutheran and guitar player extraordinaire from Lincoln, Nebraska. So, guys, I screwed up really bad in our first episode. This is kind of breaking the fourth wall. Uh, We sometimes or always double up when we record. And I said, hey, guys, give me your personal stuff. And I never mentioned my wife. (laughs) You better make up for that. I will. So I I bet bet you got a bit of salt for that. Named Kristen and two stupid dogs. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Share your dog's names. I think it's important. Oh, yes. So we have a Pomeranian named Fozzie. He is 10 pounds of I Own the World. And we have a 100-pound Newfoundland named Augustine. And I will leave it up to the listener to uh, realize which one actually runs the show in our house. Mm. (laughs) The the fuzz bucket does. And it's hilarious. So anyway, uh, this will be releasing on Monday, the same week as NAMM. So if you're coming out to NAM, come see me at booth 2002 along with Lyman Guitars. Uh, we're going to have some new stuff, and I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, we've already got a few guys geeking out over this stuff. Also, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, whatever, and leave us a five-star review. I don't care if it's an honest five-star review. Just leave a five-star <laughs> review. If you hate the podcast, give us a five-star review anyway. That'll help us out. Um, so guys, let's go ahead and get this episode out of the way because I know people are going to start asking, Hey, when are you going to talk about this? And that is the song reckless love. Uh, it's kind of been a contentious thing recently. I don't know if you've heard about it. Maybe, maybe not, you know, bits and pieces (laughs) here and there, (laughs) nothing really. It's one of those super obscure things. Oh Yeah. 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 I mean, you really have to be in the know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so my thought was, hey, let's just go through the lyrics. Let's go through what Corey Asbury says about it. Let's talk about it. Let's let's uh, affirm what's true. Because there's a great and let's, ton of stuff let's that, pick is, apart that is what's good. Not. Say that again, John. I mean, there's a great load of stuff in the song that is actually really, really good stuff. So we don't yeah. want to forget that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, Bradley, do you want to take the first couple lines, I guess? Sure. Um so before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Any problems there? Personally, not, not at all. No. I mean, no. um, I, I, there's a there's a Piper blog that I'll probably reference a couple of times today yeah. that you know he wrote about should we sing reckless love and he did offer a disclaimer that he wasn't all that familiar with um, Corey Asbury's theology or the you know I guess the impetus behind the song mm-hmm. and why it was written what he means by the words that he says so that might be something we'll get into but um, I I would echo something. Piper said in the blog is that I would sing those words in a very Calvinistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, let me even say it this way. I, I would, I sing those words and I think about Ephesians one and two. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That that's really what first comes to my mind, more so than Calvinism or Reformed doctrine. I think of Ephesians one and two, where I was dead in my trespasses and sins, uh, but God, being rich in mercy, has made us alive together with Christ. And and so, before I spoke a word, uh, you know, that takes me back to Ephesians one. Mm-hmm. Before the foundations of the world, I was chosen in him to be holy and blameless. Before I took a breath, I was dead. Um, and, you know, dead people don't breathe. You know, dead hearts don't respond to God. And so that that just, really, those words overwhelm me um, sure. because of that, because of Ephesians 1 and 2. And so that's where I would root that and... Um, definitely think those song, those lyrics can be sung rightly. What do you think, John? I would. Are you com- just going to echo? Or do I, you I would move absolutely on? completely agree. Uh, to me, not only the Ephesians passage, but also Jeremiah chapter one, uh, where we hear the text: "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." Yep. Knowing that that God has ordained all things, including us, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is a fantastic. Uh, uh, kind of discourse on that. So I think we can check that box and move right along. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So let's do, uh, let's do verse two next before we get into the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah, definitely. Can I, uh, can I take this one? Would you be cool Absolutely. So the first thing that hits me with this is, uh, and, and it's not a solely Lutheran, uh, doctrine. Uh, it's, it's very much a you Christian doctrine. You don't have to lie to us. Oh, <laughs> But I, but I like it so much. Five-star <laughs> reviews. Remember, five-star reviews. Five stars. Five stars. So the first thing that hits me with this is the doctrine of uh, our sinful human nature, right? When I was your foe, still you fought love over me. So I think spiritually blind, spiritually dead, and a spiritual enemy of God, the three things that, oh, yeah. that we are, Definitely. that Christ has overcome in us uh, by living within us. Uh and yes, a great affirmation of the work of God. You have been so, so good to me. Not just good, but so, so good. And uh, while poetic, super accurate. Uh, when I felt no worth, the only issue with that is it's not a matter of feeling when I, when I had no worth, right? Uh, your works are as, are as filthy rags, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? You paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Uh, once again, biblical solid. Uh, this is law and gospel right here, uh, which is a, a distinction super important to uh, uh, to me because of my background, because of how I understand scripture. But this is law and gospel. This is the depravity of the sinner and the awesome sweetness of of what God has done for us in His amazing love. So yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, think that's a I look at passage. Uh, something like Roman three, where Paul is quoting from from the Psalms. No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Yes. So, yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's not that we just feel kind of icky. It's we're hell-bound rebellious sinners. Yeah. Ex- but God. Definitely. You know, I, I one think of the Christian's the, favorite phrases in the Bible is but God. I think the feeling portion there uh, can be tied to repentance, right? And to... Yeah. Uh, the law uh, being uh, effective on us and as a, as a mirror showing us the sin that we've done um, and 
as as a rule, uh, seeing to the point that we ha- we haven't lived up to. Um, yeah, and then back to the passage I referenced before about the filthy rags. That actually comes from Isaiah chapter 64. I didn't have that reference uh, up right in front of me at the time, but Isaiah 64 chapter 6. Yeah, yep. so, so I think all three of us here would agree when I felt no worth, you paid it all for me, you've been so, so kind to me. We can quibble with, with the word felt, but it's not necessarily a deal breaker, right? Yep. Not so much a deal breaker. No. Right. So I guess we should move on to the chorus. This is where stuff gets sticky. <laughs> this is where people argue. Uh, oh my goodness, it just gets so contentious. So I'll, I guess I'll take that one. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. So, I guess, let's just go one word at a time. Overwhelming. I, I would agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, you know, the heart of the gospel is that our, our hearts are overthrown by the love of God. It's not that we, mm-hmm. on our own, see his beauty and worth first. You know, it, we're not the initiators. God is, and his love overwhelms. Um, and draws us into his beauty and worth, I think. is is So, yeah, I would say overwhelming. Okay. Never ending. I think that's super accurate. We know God to be eternal. We know all things to be eternal. And I think that that is uh, accurate in that God is unchanging. God is who he is. Uh, he is who he says he is in Scripture, and that is eternal and unchanging. Uh, including his love. We know God to be the epitome of love. And therefore, uh, yeah, never ending is right on the money. All right. So let's get it out of the way. Reckless. How are we going to think about this? (laughs) I'll let you go first, John. Well, while I'm doing this, I'm going to type into, into Google, define Reckless. Now, this has been done, but I want to make sure that we have... Okay. Reckless. Adjective. Of a person or their actions. That will come to be important. Without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Reckless driving. Synonyms. Rash. Careless. Thoughtless. Incautious. Heedless. Unheeding. Inattentive. Hasty. Precipitate. Precipitous. Impetuous. And there's 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 more, obviously. Um, I think we can say right away that we don't agree with the use of this word to describe uh, God or his love. Uh, it's been said before, and uh, I, Cody, and I know you have I've discussed this before. Uh, we cannot separate God, who he is, from his action, what he does. Right. So if the love of God is reckless... If that would imply that God himself would be reckless. And I don't believe that's a distinction uh, that even Corey Asbury, the, 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 uh, the writer of the song, would be willing to make. And I believe in his explanation, uh, he gets into that. Um, what, what, what comes to mind for me is how many times the Bible says things like, for his name's sake. So just a couple, Psalm 23.3 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 25:11. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Uh, let's see, what else? Ephesians 1. Uh, to the praise of his glorious grace, he's predestined us. Uh, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And, I mean, kind of the uh, one of the more obvious ones is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all of the glory of God. God doesn't really leave anything untouched. Uh, I think John Piper talks about drinking orange juice. You could parse that out to brushing your teeth, <laughs> combing your hair, uh, if you're a teenager or me at 31, maybe popping a zit, not to get too gross, but literally everything <laughs> to the glory of God. It's, you know, and God obviously would also work according to his own glory, or he would really cease to be God. He would end up being an idolater. Yeah, so let me read an excerpt from this blog that Piper yeah. wrote um, that, you know, we haven't, we haven't yet read or stated what Corey Asbury's, um, right. you know, what, what is his thinking behind using this word? And so I, I realized that that, that matters, uh, mm-hmm. at least to a certain degree is, is the author's in, intent. Um, but he, here's what, what Piper said. I mean, he, he references John, you know, in the blog, you know, the definition of reckless and what it means. And, but then he says, um, but maybe the author used the word reckless in the sense that God's love may look to an outsider foolish, ill-advised, brash, and breakneck. But in fact, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. The recklessness of God is more assured of success than the most carefully exhausted plans of men. Maybe, he says. In other words, Maybe he's treating the word reckless the way Jesus treated the word hate when he said you have to hate your mother and father in order to follow me. Well, it looks, it looks like hate to a lot of people when you follow Jesus and leave your mother and father behind. And so if you read the blog, he goes on to talk about poetic license and, you know, I guess, I guess exaggeration for the sake of impact. And... I, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I think this one word is what makes the song problematic. Would would we agree on that? I, I don't know that there's any, I mean, may, maybe there are a couple of things we could dissect and kind of mm-hmm. go, well, I don't know, maybe. But it, for the most part, the verses that we've read, we affirm, can be sung with right thinking, with biblically rooted thinking mm-hmm. and feeling. But we've got a problem with this one word because it is not a word that accurately describes the love of God as it's revealed in scripture for the beloved. Um, I would, I would say that there's, there's some phrases elsewhere. We'll get to them. Okay. Um, So maybe there are, but at, at, at the very least, I think we agree that this word represents at least most of the problem people have with this song. Absolutely. Um, And it can inform the rest of the song wrongly for people or if it's taken as a hyperbole or an exaggeration or, or a poetic license that 
uh, creates tension. It's one of the things that I, I talked about in the last podcast is that I think some level of tension in worship is good and healthy. I think rather than, you know, just singing songs thoughtlessly and having emotions generated either by, you know, lyrics that are repeated over and over and over again or um, musical dynamics that invoke emotion, which that can happen in and of itself. Yep. Yep that there is thoughtful tension is that, you know, can it be that the love of God, that before I took a breath, you breathe life to me, that seems, or maybe it could seem reckless. It could seem like foolishness to man. Um, you know, the gospel is foolishness to man. It It doesn't, makes sense at a, at a pure human level that God, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. Before one of my days came to be, they were all written in your book um, that you chose me to be holy and blameless. I mean, that seems crazy. I think the my main counter to to it looking crazy, and and by all means, from a from a natural perspective, right, uh, particularly from an unregenerate heart, it. It looks absolutely insane, uh, but if correct me if I'm wrong, but Paul said that it, it, the cross is a stumbling block and foolishness to it's stumbling block to the Jews, mm-hmm. and it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Correct. Right. Um, so, but but my what I would say to that, mm-hmm. not to cut you off, is no, that you're good. you're good. Paul's writing that to Christians, right? And he's telling Christians to, in one sense, savor the fact that the gospel's so big, so beautiful, so powerful, so amazing, that it seems like foolishness to the unregenerate. There, There is a yeah. right way to savor that, um, right. that the good news is really that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, it... It, it doesn't mean that, that the Christian sings this song thinking that the love of God is reckless, but but realizing that it is it is so amazing and so just otherworldly that God would love us this way that it seems that way. And again, I, I should say this from the onset. I, I'm not advocating for the song. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, I sure. guess, in a way, because I realize the song is problematic, but I think every, you know, most of the people that probably listen to this and us here, you know, have issues with the song. I do. Um, sure. But I think it's just good to think about it from a different perspective. So let's nitpick a little bit. Okay. Uh, something popped out at me. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. Okay. That's in the present tense. So what do you do with that? <laughs> Am I being a grammar Nazi or is that or is that legit if it's if it's still chasing you down and is still fighting till you're found, is this a found loss, found loss pattern? Or is God completing the work that he began in you? I think that's a legitimate question. So I'm not just totally being a grammar Nazi, because I know I can be. Mm-mm. I did correct you in planning center last week. <laughs> I didn't tell you about it, but you had a plural with an apostrophe, and I was like, no. 
and then I fixed it. Thank you. I need help. <laughs> what about you, John? Well, the uh, and and we can get into this a little bit later when we actually look at Corey's response uh, to some of the questions that have been uh, levied about the uh, about you know his his use of of the word reckless and and other allegory in the song. So I'll hold on to those thoughts. I've got a uh, a guest uh, guest star here with me, my little my little one year old daughter. So if there's some extra mic noise, she apologizes from the bottom of her tiny little heart. Um, <laughs> so. This one's going to take me a bit to cut, catch up to speed on because this is the first time I've I've even I've been so focused on the on the reckless portion and and then the bridge that this chases me down fights on found being in the present tense had never occurred to me until you mentioned something and and yes yeah you're welcome I, I think of course I think that this is the level of introspection we need uh, when we take a look at things to be used in worship regardless of of, of what it is. Well, Cody, why don't you go ahead and start uh, on on your thoughts about this passage, and then uh, then I'll, I'll catch up once I've had a had a chance to uh, to mull it over and and be influenced well, I, by by your. One thing words. I might say about it is, again, I feel like I'm advocating for the song, and it's not really my intent. Um, but it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety nine. Um, if you read that in terms of um, if we want to say initial salvation, um, you know, the 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 point at which we are born again, then yeah, I think that's problematic. Um, but I don't know. Is it possible to read those lyrics, sing those lyrics, um, thinking about um, the keeping power of God's love, the perseverance of the saints, um, that his love not only finds us, breathes life into us, uh, it is his love that, um, for the saints, that drives him, compels him to, you know, take out the hearts of stone and put in the hearts of flesh, but it's also that same love, you know, you think of the hymn, um, come thou fount of every blessing, there's a line in that song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Mm. Prone to leave the God yeah. I love. Um, but yet we know that even though we are prone to wonder, even though we are still uh, in this state of the wrestling match between the flesh and the, and the regenerated spirit, um, that God's love is keeping us. It is in one sense maybe chasing us down, fighting sure. for us when we're prone to wonder. I don't know. That's just a thought. So let's let's move to the bridge and then wrap the wrap up the the lyrical exegesis, if you will, <laughs> and then move to uh Corey Asbury's explanation of things. Uh so for for the Christian, I think this bridge is gold. If if we were if we were reading this from a Christian's perspective of there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. Um, God is going to save the people He wants to save, mm-hmm. and we should celebrate that. Um, at the same time, if I can revert back to being a grammar Nazi, I can't help but think if if God is still if God still has to chase me down and is still currently fighting 
mm-hmm. and is is still currently leaving the 99. Well, what about Romans 1? Yeah. Where Romans uh, 128, since they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, gave, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Right. Um, so obviously from the Christian perspective, like this, this is it. Like this is, this is gospel. But when we're talking, talking about still present tense, maybe not so much. <laughs> it, it should probably cause some pause uh, to whoever may be singing it in our uh, seeker-sensitive uh, evangelistic event as church culture. Um, you've got a ton of people, and it's, and it's a, don't get me wrong, it is a good thing for <laughs> people who don't know God yet to be in church. That is a great thing, and they should be there so they can hear the gospel. Right. Um, but we shouldn't, how to say this, we shouldn't give them false hope. Yes. We should not give them false hope. We shouldn't make them or allow them to think that they're in a better place than they are with God until they've surrendered. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Well, I, I think that, that that's one of the biggest problems in, in the church today is the misunderstanding of the love of God. Right. And, you know, R.C. Sproul talked a lot about that prior to his death um, in recent Q&As that he did uh, and some messages is that he thought this was one of the biggest problems is that, you know, there's there's sort of this talk of the love of God as though it's there. There's a a benevolency that God has uh, for all mankind. I think that's true. But salvific love um, you know, it is, well, I'm okay because God, lo- God's a loving God. I don't really have to mm-hmm. acknowledge him or what that, that's one of the biggest problems. So I, on that point, I, I would agree with you. What you got, John? Hey, so looking at the bridge, I think that it is in, <laughs> now when I use the word inspired, I'm not talking a <laughs> careful, I'm John, not, very I know, careful there, but <laughs> I know. I know. When I use the hey, word remember inspired. remember that time John endorsed Jesus calling on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'll see myself out. Anyways, uh, I think the bridge, here we go, a tribute to. There uh, we go. This is not the greatest song in the world. This it is, is not. This is just a tribute. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I'm persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers no things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think that the bridge is an, is an uh, homage to that. Um, yeah. I, I don't believe that the tense... Uh, portion uh necessarily uh contradicts that uh the spirit indwells in us um after we have been claimed uh by the father and the spirit dwells in us and uh, and daily uh keeps us uh with a penitent heart repentant of our sin uh in light of the gospel so in that way i think the tense piece is is okay um However, if we're saying that the salvific act, right, the sacrificial 
uh, death and resurrection of, of Christ is a continuation, then that's an issue. But I, I don't think that that's where this is headed in the bridge. And I think that we could pr- easily, uh, easily sing the bridge without, uh, without much issue. Um, yeah. But, you know, one thing to keep in mind, too, is that, you know, when, when the church gathers and we worship, the, the worship is for the believer in the same way that yes. when we take communion, that is for the believer. And, yes. you know, is it possible that even if you offer a little explanation up front that, an, uh, you know, hey, if, if you're not a believer, if you're not in faith, let, let the elements pass, mm-hmm. um, that, that an unbeliever might actually pick up a piece of bread and take the wine or the juice and participate um, in an unbelieving way. I think that's obviously possible um, that that could happen. In the same token, it's possible that an unbeliever may be in our service and sing songs and interpret them wrongly and not really engaging in faith. And I don't think that's a death sentence for that person or for the service itself. Mm-hmm. You can't expect one right. song to totally encapsulate the whole gospel and full gospel understanding at one time. So I think, again, the bridge is one of those things that um, a believer in Christ with biblically rooted thinking could sing in faith and sing rightly, uh, you know, rooted in the scripture that John mentioned. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Exactly. So I, I I real think I, I I real think I'm a I'm a good talker. <laughs> Before we close out on the bridge, I do think yeah. that to an unbeliever, this could run uh, the risk of being interpreted as uh, oh I screw up. Well, I'm forgiven again. I screw up. I'm forgiven again. Uh, shall we continue sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. Right. So in that in that sense, I think it it, it could be mildly problematic, uh, thinking that they have a get out of jail free card, um, which in fact they do, uh, but not necessarily without repentance, motivated by the gospel and driven by the spirit. So there's my two cents on the rest of the bridge. There, Cody, back to you. Yeah. So let's. I'll, I'll read. Uh... I'll read Asbury's explanation, which I think is helpful, at least from the perspective of where this was written. Um, Obviously, we can explain things to our churches uh, when we sing them um, and then kind of redeem it, if you will. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but this is on Asbury's Facebook page. You can Google it. uh, But he says... What I mean is this, he is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick, it's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike, and might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you. His love doesn't consider himself first, his love isn't selfish or self-serving, He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself out there. He simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. His love leaves the 99 to find the one every time. To many practical adults, that's a foolish concept. But what if he loses the 99 in search of the one? What if? 
finding that one lost sheep is and always will be supremely important. His love isn't cautious. No, it's a love that sent his own son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There's no plan B with the love of God. He gives his heart so completely, so preposterously that if refused, most would consider it irreparably broken. Yet he gives himself away again. The recklessness of his love is seen most clearly in this. It gets him hurt over and over. Make no mistake, our sin pains his heart, and 70 times 7 is a lot of times to have your heart broken. Yet he opens up and allows us in every time. Let me reread that part. Yet he opens up and allows us in every time. His love saw you when you hated him. When all logic said they'll reject me, he said, I don't care if it kills me. I'm laying my heart on the line. So, what do we do with that? How much time do we got? <laughs> Jeez. The first, the first impression when I saw his uh, his reply, and uh, and it's actually uh, almost a year ago when uh, when this came out, but it's still uh, you know, obviously a very relevant topic. The first impression was that wow. That was in a very enthusiastic wow. Wow! He's describing sacrifice. He's describing sacrificial love. But he's coloring it with this notion of recklessness. So when we, when we look that his love isn't selfish or self-serving, eh, well, uh, well, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that after a while. What you got, Bradley? Uh, I mean... Yeah. There's all kinds of problems with that. Um, I, I don't even know that it's worth dissecting. I mean, we know where he comes from. Right. We know what kind right. of teaching he sat under. And, um, yeah, I, I could not sing this song at all, ever, with his thinking right. um, in mind. That That's just not possible. And um, that's a problem. I mean, it's a problem, and it's something that, Cody, you and I have talked about, is mm-hmm. you know, when we sing a song written um, by another ministry uh, or a person, you know, in some, some way that can be interpreted as an endorsement of that person and or ministry that they're a part of. And, you know... I, I think we're all in agreement that you know Bethel and where they are theologically is they're they're off the ledge, and you know we we've got to be careful. Uh, here's how Piper ends the blog that I referenced earlier. And if by the way, if you want to uh, read this blog, it's on Desiring God, and it's titled "Should We Sing of God's Quote Reckless Love." Um, and I, I think it's a good article, even though Piper admittedly does not know much about Corey Isberry. But um, he ends the blog with, uh, he says, back to pastors and lead worshipers, please do your job and do not ask too much of your sheep. As we sit in service, give us songs whose original meaning we can joyfully affirm because they are fully biblical. Don't give us too many where we have to change the meaning in order to be faithful. And I think that therein lies the biggest question with this song is, are we having to jump through too many hoops? Uh, are, are we having to um, s- sort of grit our teeth in order to sing the song? Uh, 
I, I think that's a legitimate question, and in and of itself could be reason to either exclude it or remove it from our collective repertoires. Um, it, the, the, the part of the song, or the part of me that wants to sing this song, I've been in settings where this song was sung, or, or it was part of the worship set, where I wasn't leading and I wasn't a part of the service. I was just there. I mean, I wasn't leading the service. I was just there as a worshiper. And, you, you know, I made a conscious effort to sing these songs with, sing this song with biblically rooted thinking. And had some really sweet moments with the Lord in that. Um, dismissing what I know about Corey Asbury and why that, what, what his intention was behind the song, I was able to do that. But is it asking too much of our people to be able to do the same? I don't know. Uh, probably is. Yeah. The, what caught me most, the more I, well, I guess what catches me most the more I read it. At first it was uh, bankrupting heaven, the off chance that one of us might look back. Uh, But what's really getting at me now is it gets him hurt. Mm. Like us rejecting God hurts God. Um, And I know there's some debate over God's impassibility or passability, uh, but we have to understand that Bethel is coming from a, a word of faith Mm-hmm. Uh, foundation yep. that God can't do anything on the earth without a willing human participant. They've had the likes of Benny Hinn, uh, the the uh, so-called prophet Bob Jones, not the Bob Jones here in Greenville, the uh, <laughs> fundamentalist Baptist one. Um, they've been associated with the likes of Kent Copeland and Joyce Meyer and all those kind of guys. And it, I, was, I was doing some Googling around, and I found this uh, really good quote out of Herman Boving's Reformed Dogmatics, and it's just like a sledgehammer, it feels like. It says, Those who predicate any change whatsoever of God, whether with respect to his essence, knowledge, or will, diminish all his attributes, independence, simplicity, eternity, omniscience, and omnipotence. This robs God of his divine nature and religion of its firm foundation and assured comfort. I, I found that, and I was just like, oh, man. It's like, th- this really is a big deal. Like, is God given to involuntary passions because of what we do, or is he omnipotent? You can't have both, ultimately. Okay, so let's, let's do this. Even, sure. if we, even if we ourselves can't in good conscience sing the song, will someone who sings the song and enjoys this song, will that send them to hell? Mm. Is that a deal breaker on Christianity? If they're singing it for the wrong reasons, you mean? Or the wrong Let's let's say that they're singing it not from that perspective for the thought experiment. Obviously, salvation is um what it hinges on is it hinges on God's initiative to awaken the heart uh to him uh to respond to him and Coupled with that is the proclamation of the gospel and understanding the gospel. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think, and may- maybe I maybe I phrased that terribly. Mm-hmm. But would we be willing to? So let's say someone's in our in our church, um, and, and let's just get really overboard with this. Someone's in our church and says they like the song. Should we kick them out? 
I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Not at all. Either. Um, and I'm arguably more crotchety than either of you. Although Cody, you give me a run for my money. Um, but mainly through text base. Media. Well, <laughs> yeah. true. Um, my my I, thing is, my thing is like, yes, we can disagree with the song. We're not saying that just because you sing the song means you're not in Christ anymore. Oh, no, that, no that, and, not and at and all. A lot of people, and I, I, I make that point because so many of the people that I interact with act as if me saying I don't think the song is appropriate for congregational worship or yeah. really at all. Uh, so many people act as if me saying that and disagreeing with them it's it's frustrating it's just frustrating. well i think the reason why they why they do that is because they have a different understanding of of what singing and worship is right so That's they true. uh they have a very uh i'd say they i, I don't want to single anyone out or, or use third person uh, terms like that but there are many who feel that worship is is strictly emotion uh that it is uh, us us feeling and uh getting into this time of uh of of worshipful uh, bliss, and that in in a way pleases God. Rather, worship accomplishes mu- music and worship that is accomplishes much more than that. Not only is it a tool to enable us to return praise and thanks to our God, but it also teaches us. And I think that is where uh, some of the risk uh, comes in with this song. By no means does someone who can who likes this song and sings this song. Uh, by no means does that mean that they are uh, <laughs> that they are fallen from grace or that they uh, are are heretical in their thinking. But it does have some risk of mispresenting how God operates. However, at the same time, there are some pieces which are pure gold, even in the chorus. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you yes. gave yourself away. And that is beautiful because we can't. And that is a huge bane on Christianity today, too. It works righteousness didn't end in the 1500s. It, it's still very much, a, very much a thing in cultural Christianity in that if I'm a good or, or just cultural theism, if I'm a good person, I'll end up in a good place. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's not the case because not one is good. Not one is sinless except for Christ. Yep. So... Recommended reading for this week. Uh, Bradley, you want to start? Sure. Um, the book I'm going to recommend is The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. It's a short little book, um, but really powerful. It's it's really an exegesis on 1 Corinthians 3 and 4, particularly um, chapter 4, verse 3, where um, Paul says that, um, he says, but with me... It is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Um, it's it's the notion that not only am I looking to what you think about me, I'm not even looking to what I think about me. And one of the biggest issues, I think, even with understanding the love of God, is um, the, the modern notion that what we need to do in, in order to fix the world's problems or fix human problems is build up the ego. And what Tim Keller argues is that the, the, the goal or the outgrowth of gospel humility is not thinking more or less of myself. It's thinking of myself less and thinking more about him. And so um, that's a real short synopsis. I know we're out of time, but that it's a really good short book that I think um, 
it it's been helpful to me in terms of how I come into the worship setting or just to worship God in general um, is that the the goal the point is to think and focus on him not on myself and we get that right a lot of other things fall into place love it what you got John all right, this week I've got a book written by Peter Scazzaro entitled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, the tagline of the book Great. is, It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It is a discussion on how it is important to view our emotions and how we interact with others, how we interact with ourselves uh, through introspection uh, in light of the gospel in light of our identity as redeemed people of christ and using that to influence uh how we deal with others how we approach our emotions and in turn how that affects our spiritual relationship and how we perceive our spiritual relationship with the father very cool so mine for this week is d.a carson's the difficult doctrine of the love of god and he he talks about how when you say the love of God, it's, well, which love of God? Is this God's inter or intra-Trinitarian love for himself? Is this God's love for the elect? Or is this God's love within common grace? Uh, it is really short, but since it's Carson, you're going to need a, th- a thesaurus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to have to take it a couple paragraphs at a time, put it down for a couple hours, and be like, what did I just read? And what did that word mean anyway? So fantastic book. And by the way, in the show notes, we're posting, I don't think I told you guys about this, but I'm posting Amazon affiliate links. So we'll get a little kickback I saw if that. anybody buys those books through those links. Very, um, very cool. Uh, so... Our outro song, John, you are going to hate me for this. But this oh, no. week's song is I Have Been oh, Chosen no. by Single oh, Mr. J. Oh, Judas. Oh, man. You're not going to play Reckless Love on the way out. I mean, how, how can we not? Well, there's this whole copyright law thing. And we'd have to pay. Well, anyways, here it is. Y'all come back now, here. Yeah.
God A royal priesthood selected by the Lord To proclaim the excellence of Him who made me Call me from the darkness into the light And God said, walk in a manner worthy of your call And be zealous in all good things you do shine before all men that they may heed my call to save them too I have been chosen I am a child of God a royal priesthood selected by the Lord to proclaim the excellence of him who made me call me from the darkness into the light chosen. I am a child of God, a royal priesthood selected by the Lord to proclaim the excellence of Him.